2: Good morning, my dear friends, to all our dear audience on KNUS 710 AM or via podcast. I welcome all of you. This morning, we shall interact first by waking up, praising God. If you're married, give a good and warm, safe greeting to your wife or to your husband. Give a good, warm morning hug or welcome with a special social distancing safety, of course, to your children and to all those who you live with. Do me a favor. It's okay to turn on your radio at 6 a.m. on Sunday morning. Next, of course, let us warm up the day by being nice to each other and by being nice to the Lord. This is Father Andre and good Holy Sunday morning with God. Good Holy Sunday morning, my dear brothers and sisters. And I want to welcome you on this uh, morning of uh, Sunday in May 23rd, 2021. We are in Pentecost we are at the time of the coming of the holy spirit and um, on a morning like this we definitely should pray asking the lord god almighty father to send us his holy spirit down upon all of us to give us the grace of our lord jesus christ to share with us his divine love as a father and uh, to bestow upon us the communion the indwelling and the protection of the holy spirit with this Let us pray, welcoming this morning, a prayer of thanksgiving with Psalm 10. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. God, come to my assistance. O Lord, make haste to help me. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning is now, and will be forever. Amen. Hallelujah. My dear friends, at this point, I ask us all as we welcome the Sunday morning, always with the Bereshit, as we say in the very first word of the Bible in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 1. Bereshit bara Elohim, et hashamayim shamayim ve In Hebrew, which means in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. But also in that verse, we say in some place, veruach Elohim, And the Spirit, or the wind of the Lord, was hovering over the face of the water. Take a moment. Enjoy this morning. Wake up. Breathe in the Holy Spirit. And let the Holy Spirit remove from you in tongues of fire all iniquities. Remove from all of us all of our sins. Instill in us a good holy dwelling place to be temples in the Holy Spirit for Jesus Christ, who he told us, once I come and I'm invited, I will bring my father with me. So with this, blessed are the poor. Remember, the kingdom of heaven is theirs in Luke chapter 6, verse 20. And uh, remember, the Lord is just, my friends. Do not be afraid. He will defend the poor. Hallelujah. And let us pray a little bit with Psalm 10 saying, Lord, why do you stand afar off and hide yourself in times of distress? The poor man is devoured by the pride of the wicked. He is caught in the schemes that others have made. For the wicked man boasts of his heart's desires. The covetous blasphemes and spurns the Lord. In his pride, the wicked says, He will not punish. There is no God. Such are his thoughts. But my friends, we remember that the Lord God is coming to the defense of the poor, of the weary, of the oppressed, because we tell him in the same psalm, Arise then, Lord, lift up your hand. O God, do not forget the poor. Why should the wicked spurn the Lord and think in his heart he will not punish? But you have seen the trouble and sorrow. You note it. You take it in hand. The helpless trusts himself to you, for you are the helper of the orphan. So, Lord, break the power of the wicked. And the sinner punish their wickedness till nothing remains. The Lord is king forever and ever. The heathen shall perish from the land he rules. With this, my friends, let us make the sign of the cross. And welcome this beautiful Sunday morning with Father André, welcoming again a friend of the show and a very good mentor, if I may call him, Dr. Christian Alten von Guizzo, a human rights expert, uh, um, president and rector of the ITI Catholic University founded by late and uh, the great Saint Pope Jean Paul II in Trumont in Austria, and he's the president of the International Catholic Legislators Network. Dr. Christian, good holy morning to you.
0: A blessed holy morning on this beautiful day of the Pentecost, that the Holy Spirit may guide us through these troubled times.
2: Dr. Christian, just a small personal question. Um, Who is the Holy Spirit for you, for you personally? I know uh, theologically we know you know who he is, but for you personally, how often do you recall the Holy Spirit in your prayers?
0: Many times a day, and the Holy Spirit is simply the voice of God telling me in my heart what to do and what not to do, helping me to discern between good and evil.
2: That is amazing. You know, um, I I do have a bone to pick with the Holy Spirit many times. You know, we uh, Christians in general, but Catholic in a specific way, we pray for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that uh, makes me a little bit, um, 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 and, and somehow, um, realize how weak I am? Well, a few of them. One is courage, and the other one is fortitude. Courage and fortitude. I wish many times, and I know you're such an expert on religious freedom, and uh, you're such a wonderful voice um, to maintain in the public square of the academia. Um, I would call him the rights of God, the voice of God, and definitely the rights of his faithful, and the voice of justice, law, Reason, in nature of our human life. When I pray those gifts to the Holy Spirit and I ask Him for courage and fortitude, I feel like I'm going to be faced with martyrdom right away. I'm going to be killed. And I know this is a bad temptation. I know the gift of courage and fortitude actually makes us go beyond the obstacles. Do you believe today, with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, Christianity is lacking a little bit of courage? facing all these challenges of the COVID-19, the vaccine situation, the moral theology, the neoconservatism, the liberalism, all these isms, isms, isms. There is like this a huge wave of hate, and it seems the Christian speech is suffering impediments. And somehow we do not know what to say anymore. Most likely, we're not accepting those gifts of the Holy Spirit, or we are afraid of the consequences of courage and fortitude what do you think doctor
0: well father that's a that that is a a beautiful question which in itself would uh, fill a, a lot of time but i will i will try to keep my answer short i think you are certainly right that we christians uh very often lack the gift of courage and fortitude because we have gotten so comfortable in the secular world and life has become so comfortable and actually living our faith in many of the at least western countries and southern american countries and many countries throughout the world it has become so comfortable but it merely takes looking at our persecuted brethren in countries like china north korea or certain countries in the middle east under the daesh persecution to know that actually there are brethren of ours who have a lot of courage and that we can actually learn from them. And a second gift of the Holy Spirit that we often forget, and that is actually very much, uh, it's actually very beautifully shown in the image of the Holy Spirit that we find in the stained glass windows behind the chair of Peter and the St. Peter's dome at the back of the uh, St. Peter's, You see rays of light coming from the Holy
2: Spirit. I love that beautiful image. Exactly,
0: and it's those rays of light that I think we Christians need the most, because uh, so many things have become so muddled. We have also, especially ourselves, to blame for that. Things have become so muddled, and the message of the gospel has become often so muddled because we are sort of trying to, you know, make it a softer message or trying to adapt it to the winds of the times, and that, of course, brings a lot of unclarity. So if we would start, as Christians, returning some clarity to the gospel message, then the Holy Spirit, actually, and for that we need the Holy Spirit, that would actually go a long way of being able to answer all these challenges that you just mentioned.
2: For, for those who are joining us, this is good Sunday morning with Father Andre, and we have uh, on the phone in this holy season of Pentecost, the coming down of the Holy Spirit upon the apostles and the Virgin Mary. Doctor Christian um he's a president and rector of ITI Catholic University, which was founded by the late and holy Saint Pope John Paul II in Trimont in Austria, and president of the International Catholic Legislators Network. A friend of the show, we're talking again about. The defining battle in the 21st century, freedom of conscience and religion. And this is basically our third time we cover such topic. Uh, Namely this time, uh, Dr. Christian, I would love to cover for you in the context of the defining battle of the 21st century, which is religious freedom and freedom of conscience. First of all, Christianity honestly is being rebuked for using religious freedom. I did not know... Until I saw it to my eyes that um, in, in certain areas in the previous administrations in the U.S., and it seems like even in the current administration, it seems they have a very, um, I would say, wrong understanding for religious freedom. I'm not sure if it is based on facts that they have seen or misinterpreted, or it is because we have not voiced properly our experience of religious freedom. But I know that um, um, under the Obama's uh, administration, there is Martin Castro, who was a U.S. Commission on Civil Rights um, chair. Uh, he once said religious freedom is often used as a code word for discrimination, intolerance, racism, sexism, homophobia, Islamophobia, and, uh, quote, Christian supremacy, end of quote. This is a scary Dr. Christian, and this was back, I believe, in 2008, if I'm not mistaken. And from that time, there is so much misunderstanding, misconceptions. Did we ever respond against these accusations? Did we ever show our own definition of religious freedom? What do you think?
0: Well, I think this this, answer, this, this quote that you give Father is a, a quote that shows crystal clear how deep the the misunderstanding is of what religion is actually about. But I have to say, honestly, that we are also at least partly ourselves as Christians to blame for that. Because as you hear in this listing, these are all the favorite themes of modernity and the favorite themes of the uh, do-whatever-you-like-and-feel-whatever-you-want style of of our times. And I think we as Christians have often failed to address these questions in the right way, because if you live in a society as ours that has become so secularized and that has often become so disconnected from anything religious, we should not accept our fellow citizens who do not share our faith to actually understand what we're talking about when we're talking about things in religious, in a, in a religious sense. I'll give you an example. It's very hard to understand for people what the definition of marriage is as we as Christians know what it is, the union between one man and one woman that is open to life. But if you purely argue that from the religious side, then most people will not understand you. But I think what we should do is we should actually go to nature and reason as the bridge to our fellow citizens to debate this and to to understand this and Pope Francis, uh, uh, sorry Pope Benedict in his great speech before the German parliament in 2011 actually exactly said this he said unlike other great religions Christianity has never proposed a revealed law to the state and to society rather it has pointed to nature and reason as the true sources of law and also nature and reason are the true sources of religious freedom and so i think in the whole narrative we have to apply a completely different language where you would be surprised that we could find common ground
2: and I agree with you about the common ground. In fact, I wanted to bring to the attention of the listeners again. This is Good Sunday morning. Was Father Andre um, conversing with the wonderful doctor and friend, uh, uh, Doctor Christian Alte von Gizu, um from Trimont, Austria, president of the International Catholic Legislators Network, talking about the defining battle in twenty first century religious freedom and freedom of conscience. Doctor, in my in my readings, I was reading that in fact in the nineteen nineties. Uh, religious freedom was a common ground for both for the liberals and for the conservatives, for Democrats and, and for the um, Republicans at the time. And, and, and uh, shockingly and beautifully enough, it wasn't the conservatives who actually ran the bill in 1993 uh, for religious freedom. The, you will not believe it. Religious freedom restoration act was, in fact, introduced in the House of Representatives, if I'm not mistaken, in March of 1993. And guess who introduced it? It was Chuck Schumer of New York, and in the Senate, it was Ted Kennedy of Massachusetts. And it passed unanimously in the House, um, very nearly unanimously in the Senate. As well, and then it was signed into a law by President Bill Clinton. So the the, the Democrats, basically, or today many 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 of us, um, probably many of the people call Democrats liberals, which I, I hope they make a distinction still to a certain extent, because it seems they do care for the foundation of religious freedom. But today, Mm -hmm. that thing totally changed. What did change? Why today, in the 21st century, 20 years after, probably, or 25 years after, the same people who were the sponsors of the Religious Freedom Act today and somehow are allowing that, are redefining religious freedom as a source of hate or bigotry or all of these problems? What happened?
0: Well, I mean, there are various reasons for it, but I, I would just like to point out two things here. That would fit in, of course, limited time that we have. The first is that, of course, the partisanship the partisanship and the bickering that especially has happened in the United States is also very much a cause of all this, because it has drifted the two main parties apart and has, uh, in, in many cases, really made it impossible to have a conversation on these issues. And that, of course also by especially, of course, the Democratic Party in many instances uh, also being very much taken over by certain ideological uh, groups or interests uh, to which even most of the Democrats themselves would not want to adhere, that has been pushing the narrative in a certain direction also where it regards uh, freedom of conscience and religion and this quote that you just gave. But again, I think it's also important that we also point the finger at ourselves, at Christians. I will give you a very concrete example. I have, especially in the past years, always been surprised to see in the debate around abortion that so many people use purely religious arguments. But that is absolutely not necessary. In fact, Pope Francis even said that a couple of months ago on a, in a speech he gave on uh, the right to life and protecting the unborn life, he made also very clear that we don't need to give a religious argument there in first instance. We need to give a human argument, he calls it. Uh, it's That's it's beautiful. about humans. It's about a matter of conscience. It's about a matter of biology, uh, a matter of, of, of nature, how it functions. You don't need to be a religious person to understand that life starts at conception. You don't need to bring in the religious argument right away. Of course, we we believe that every human being is created, willed, and loved by God. But how does that make any impact on a person who doesn't believe in God? So we have to find another language to reach those who who do not share that opinion, and through that go into the right sort of debate.
2: And and that's what I call, because I like to ask you, like towards um, the second part of our show, um, about the intellectual challenges of the Christian intellectuals today amidst these crises of abortion, COVID-19, the vaccine. And I love you already almost answered it. We don't need to overuse the religious argument, but we need to go back to look at the human argument of nature, as you said, quoting our Holy Father, Pope Francis, conscience, and biology, and somehow, but first uh, i 'd just like uh, to take two minutes with uh, Susan Fox, who will come in french she 's given us a piece of awareness about what 's going on around the world. Good morning, Susan, and happy Pentecost season Good. to you
1: Good morning, Father, and happy Pentecost to you
2: in two minutes, what do we have
1: Okay, um, well first off, uh, I wanted to remind you that uh, the mission of hope and mercy. Uh, .org does fight injustice, including in the United States, and um, I'm about to give you a statement from the Archbishop uh, Cordialoni, who is actually on the Board of Directors of Dr. Goiso's uh, school, the ITI Catholic University here in my school. Um, So what happened is on the Feast of Joseph the Worker May 1st, the Archbishop, um said that uh, abortion is the axe laid to the root of the tree of human rights. He said Catholics in public life have a special responsibility to the common good, and priests should not give communion to Catholic politicians who publicly advocate and support abortion, because this is not a weakness, a sudden moment of, oh, I, I'm going to weaken and say this but it's more like a regular position that they take. Wow. And he even recommends that nurses who register patients in the hospitals that happen to offer abortion as one of its services should try to look for another job. That that is a material connection to a grave evil that is abortion. And um, so there's a question of struggling to live according to the teachings of the church or just rejecting teachings, which is what the politicians are and, doing. And, we just, and we just heard it from,
2: uh, from Dr. Christian Susan that um, uh, it is time to probably highlight also the human argument of nature, conscience, and biology. I really want to thank you. We have only a few minutes. I really want to conclude with Dr. Christian giving you an opportunity, and we will cover it in the next episode about the vaccine and religious freedom. Just in general, that vaccine and religious freedom. Where do we stand as Christians?
0: Well, I think as Christians, and especially as Catholics, but any 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 other Christian who is open to that, we, again, only need to look to the Mother Church, what the Mother Church actually teaches about that. And the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith in December, in fact, on the 21st of December, 2020, gave out a note on this question and said something very important that I think shows very clearly in which direction we should be thinking here. It says that in the absence of other means to stop or even prevent the epidemic, the common good may may recommend may. vaccination, may especially protect the weakest and the most exposed. And I think it's good to look at the language for, because no document comes out of the congregation for the doctrine of the faith without the words being carefully weighed and there is the word may in it, and there is the word recommend in I it. I
2: love what you said.
0: And there is the words to protect the weakest and most exposed in it.
2: But which pre- means prevention, protection do you is on. always needed, but that may, that recommend exactly. and protect the weak. And then,
0: and then finally, Father, and this I find so interesting because that's, I think, which we need to look carefully at. In the absence of other means... Which means if other means are yeah, available mm-hmm. to stop or prevent this pandemic, then we should look at those first. That's also what the congregation says.
2: So, so people must stop misinterpreting the church, basically. They really need to read carefully the church language.
0: Absolutely, because nothing comes out of the CDF where every word has not been weighed and reweighed. 10 times at least and it
2: aims for the common good and it remains under the light of god thank you dr christian let us pray together lord you hear the prayer of the poor you strengthen their hearts you turn your ear to protect the rights of the orphan and oppressed so that mortal man may strike terror no more glory to the father to the son and to the holy spirit as it was in the beginning is now and will be forever amen Thanks for joining
1: us today for Good
2: Sunday
0: Morning with Father Andre. Father Andre and his team rely on your prayers and generosity
1: to help feed over 5,000 families in Lebanon every month. Go to missionofhopeandmercy.org to learn more. Your support helps buy supplies from local farms and factories, employ truckers to ship the food, all to let these families know they are not forgotten. Go to missionofhopeandmercy.org and donate today and join us next week at 6 a.m. for Good Sunday Morning with Father Andre. Andre.